As you know, I'm the owner and CEO of MacArthur Corporation. We're a mid-sized manufacturer here based in Michigan, primarily focused on the automotive sector. And in March of 2020, so this is hot off the presses about two months ago, actually maybe six weeks ago even, MacArthur joined Ventec Life Systems and General Motors in the fight against the coronavirus global pandemic. We are not traditionally a medical device supplier, but in under three weeks, our company designed, launched, and scaled up manufacturing for over 30 unique components that are needed for this complex medical device. So the story I'm about to tell you is about how organizations and how entrepreneurs can partner with other companies to do more than individuals alone and frankly have an impact on the greater community that many of us could not even fathom. Hey, this is Finding Your Venture, episode number 17, and it's about how organizations can do more than we can as individuals. So when you take the step of legally forming a company, the goal is to create something that's gonna have a bigger impact on the world than you could as an individual. How you measure the impact is up to you. For some people, that means money, but impact is about more than money. Whether your goal is to dismantle systemic racism, fight climate change, or solve a problem that is interesting to you, forming a venture means establishing a structure that can scale beyond you. Okay, so as you've already heard, Christy Wong Barrett is the CEO of MacArthur Corporation. MacArthur is an automotive supplier, and during normal times, they make stickers and labels used in manufacturing. During the COVID-19 pandemic, MacArthur got invited to do something different, but important. And this is the story of how they responded. So the story begins, I think, in the winter of 2019, where many of us were observing outbreaks of the coronavirus in Wuhan through the news. We were watching it here in the United States, uh, just like others around the world, but pretty unsure of whether it would develop into a significant problem within the United States. At that time, it was fairly contained within China and within some very small areas within the country. Most organizations, including our own, continued business as usual through the end of February in the United States. And for myself, including, I went to a business trip at CES, which is the world's largest trade show in uh, January with probably the most international mixing of, of individuals from around the world. It was very much business as usual for myself and our company. But shortly afterward, in sort of the February, early March timeframe, we began to see the first cases of COVID-19 in Seattle, and then started watching it more carefully as business leaders in the United States. In fact, actually, our company, MacArthur, we mobilized the very first roundtable for our industry association in response to the initiative to try to garner some early visibility and early preparedness for other business leaders in our space. That was in the first week of March. Uh, the tone quickly changed the week of March the 11th with the first cases being reported in Michigan. It became an issue that was now very present in our local community and something that could not only impact you know, our business, but our customers, you know, our workforce, their families, and, and our own families. With schools closing on March the 13th, and we immediately had to pivot to implement uh, significant safety policies in our own company starting effective of March the 14th. So things changed very drastically in a very short amount of time. So our company implemented visitor and travel restrictions. We had remote work for everyone that could work remotely. And then for those that could not, we had several safety practices that were put in place on site, including things like social distancing, wearing protective equipment, staggering shifts so that we had very few people in the office at a time, and only the staff that were critical and necessary on site being there. As I listen to Christy tell this story, I can't help but think back 
on how different my experience was as an individual during the same time. And it's kind of exciting to hear how this team that cuts across multiple companies starts to come together in these early days. We began hearing in early March that there was a critical gap in healthcare supplies to support the coronavirus outbreak globally. Uh, I think the world was hit a little bit blindsided and shortened supply of what are not only very simple PPE types of protective equipment, but very, very complex medical technology that had life-saving capabilities. We heard that GM recognized this gap in early March and identified that they wanted to do something as a company and as part of the greater community to solve this problem. So they identified world-leading technology in ventilators. Ventilators are one of the most complex pieces of equipment that are being deployed in the fight against COVID-19. And they identified a company called Ventec Life Systems based in Bothell, Washington, And the capacity that Ventec had to produce these very complex devices was in the hundreds per month. So maybe a hundred, a couple of hundred per month, when the actual demand and the need was far, far greater than that, upwards of hundreds of thousands. So GM's Mary Barra, the, the CEO, felt that they wanted to be part of the solution and knew that just like other auto manufacturers, GM had an amazing capability to scale up manufacturing very quickly. They know how to build complex things. For example, a vehicle has 30,000 parts or more that come together to produce you know, a quality product that has to run for a decade or more. But GM did not know medical space and they did not have medical technology. So Mary Barra initiated outreach and a partnership was formed between the two companies to scale up production and planning capacity for 100,000 of Ventec's Vocus and ventilators to be completed within the year. So if you imagine the scale of that, that's 100 times the current capacity that Ventec could do today. And they were blown away by this opportunity to really do something together. So a team from GM flew out to Washington the week of March the 16th to visit with Ventec, look at all the components that were going into building a ventilator, look at the manufacturing process with the goal of building out a manufacturing plant in Kokomo, Indiana, and scaling up production to be able to make 100,000 ventilators within the year. So by March the 19th, that's three days later, the sourcing team from GM started outreach to suppliers to identify who could make the components going into these devices. Because just like Ventec, we're used to only making 100 of these per month. Their suppliers, in turn, were only used to making 100 of these per month. So imagine trying to source thousands of new components at 100 times the scale in under four weeks. It was quite a challenge. So I received a phone call uh, by cell. I remember this, this day very clearly on Saturday, March the 21st to see if we were interested in helping out. At the time, we were a GM supplier supplying a few parts, a few labels to them. So I immediately accepted and offered our support. We were seeing certainly concerns in our sector of automotive companies closing, businesses shutting down. So our work in that area was slowing down. At the same time, we felt how could we as a company lean in to help support what was you know, clearly a global need. And then the next two weeks from there were a little bit of a blur. From the moment we accepted the offer to help, we started receiving an influx of engineering drawings information you know, about how many pieces they would need, what the technical specifications would be, where they would need them, what testing would need to be done before these parts could be used and put together to make this complex device. So throughout that time frame, you know, we had to involve our engineering team, our estimating team, our raw material and supply chain team, our production team. And it was quite a rush, but we're able to actually design, develop, launch, and produce 30 unique components. And I think we're still doing some new ones 
each month, a couple of new ones come up, but about we're at about 30 plus parts right now that we have pivoted to support. You know, we weren't doing medical technology at scale before this project. So we had to understand their requirements, make sure our products could meet all of the requirements and also scale up to the levels of volume that they would need within, you know, within a very short period of time. I think the other thing that kind of uh, made it a blur, but also made it very exciting was that knowing every minute that passed during this project, there were lives on the line. So the sooner we could get our products into the marketplace and into GM's hands, we knew we'd be saving lives. So our team was really driven by the urgency of the, the, the situation and our opportunity to really do our part to help save lives. While, you know, I think many other people were very worried about their own personal situation, about keeping safe, about their jobs, about, you know, not being able to go meet their friends, maybe being stuck at home, watching endless amounts of Netflix. Our team was working around the clock, nights and weekends, trying to get new parts designed and built to try to get them into the hands of healthcare providers as soon as possible. I want to contrast what Christy's saying here with one quick personal story. In the days following the terrorist attack in New York City on September 11th, 2001, I was a young consultant in my first job out of school, and I was very motivated to do something. I, I didn't know what I could do to help, but I wanted to do something. And so I called the managing director of our office and I said, hey, I want to do something. I want to go there. And I'll, I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, Brian, I'm not a grief counselor. And he essentially got off the phone with me and encouraged me to put my head down and go back to the billing project that I was on. I mean, it, it was the most boring work in the world. And here I was not able to focus on this incredible thing that was happening in the world. And it was so demotivating for me. And I never felt the same about that job because I wasn't given an opportunity to focus on the thing that mattered. And when I contrast that story and that feeling I had with the way that MacArthur Corporation's employees and suppliers must feel to be able to turn their attention and work hard to address a real global need, I'm jealous. And I, it's really exciting. And it must change the nature of the work in such a profound way. So I think one thing that's been uh, phenomenal about this effort has been the pace at which a team of companies and individuals have come together to solve a problem that no one imagined could be solved in such a short period of time. You know, no one individual could build this complex piece of medical technology, uh, much less build 100,000 of them in, within a year. So when you peel back the onion to understand all the players that are involved and how you as an individual or you as a company can have an impact, GM as a company couldn't do it alone. They're a publicly traded company, multi-billion dollar company, but they alone couldn't solve this problem. And Ventec Life Systems, who had some of the best medical technology in the world, they couldn't do this alone. So what I guess I want you to take away is for a project of this scale and a challenge of this scale, it required hundreds of companies coming together to bring their own unique capabilities, their human resources and talent, their energy, their flexibility and agility to make these products and to make them as a team and to solve unexpected challenges along the way. And each of those companies in turn had to mobilize not only their employees, but their suppliers to come into this project with urgency, you know, with reliability, with all of this happening at a time where everyone's concerned about their public safety and the safety of their, their own families. So 
I think it's just a phenomenal story about how the supply ecosystem has also come together to support a complex project and how, again, an individual, as an individual company leader, you can have an impact by being able to mobilize your resources towards a new effort like this, where there's a need and how companies coming together can also, again, support a challenge that no no one company can do alone. As entrepreneurs, we brag on big companies all the time, but this is a great example of something that a startup definitely could not do on its own. Whatever the size of the company, you just want to be someplace that can execute. I've been very proud of our team, and I think in terms of being able to respond to the challenge and to not step down from it, everything we've asked them to help on, they've stepped up to be part of the solution. I think the other thing that it's highlighted to me as an entrepreneur, and you know, it's something many consultants say, and I think many companies know at a theoretical level, but the importance of being an agile company, being able to change and pivot and react to the situation around you and move your company and your resources and your team into a direction that is going to be a positive direction. The importance of agility certainly became a reality for me during the past few months where business as usual was completely on hold. And so companies that weren't agile had no ability to react, had no ability to pick up that cell phone call on a Saturday and mobilize a team to respond in the way that we did. So I think the takeaway for me was managing our business in a way that allows us to be agile is just as important as managing your business in a way that allows it to be financially sustainable or lean in operations. It's going to be a new capability that companies are going to have to develop um, and, and, and maintain over the long term. Okay, so all this is really exciting. But I asked Christy, what was the impact? What's the impact of all this excitement? So I talked a little bit about the pace of this project. It's unheard of, really, to be able to go from an engineering drawing to fully technically approved quality tested products within four weeks. But through the partnership between GM, Fentech, and all of the suppliers, including MacArthur, ventilators were rolling off the production floor and into hospitals in early April. So that was a phenomenal time frame. Subsequently, around mid-April or late April, the federal government authorized the purchase of tens of thousands of these ventilators for the national stockpile under the Defense Production Act. So technically, many of the suppliers that were working on this project have to prioritize all of our activities towards meeting that demand ahead of anything else. The other thing that's been incredible about this project were that hospitals were beginning to receive a necessary supply of these ventilators when in, in previous you know, expectation was that they wouldn't have this equipment. And I get a little bit emotional reflecting on it, but there was a comment made by some of the executives at GM and Ventec that really stuck in my mind, which was without these life-saving ventilators, doctors were being put in a really horrible position. And th- that position was having to make a triage decision about which of the COVID-19 patients they would treat with a ventilator and which they would just comfort in their last hours because there weren't enough of these ventilators to meet the demand of all the patients that needed them. So without this equipment and the huge influx of cases that were occurring in April and then also through other regions of the world, there just would not be enough supply for everyone in need. We were also told that every ventilator produced would save at least eight lives. So when you scale it up, that's a significant impact to nearly a million lives saved through this project. So I think it's an interesting story and certainly proof that leading an organization and being part of an organization that can pivot and be agile and respond to new areas, new areas of support, that we can do more than we can as individuals. Sometimes my kids ask me, Dad, how can you like working? 
And I tell him it's really fun to go to work and have an impact on the world and to build relationships with great people. And I, I hear a lot of that in this story that Christy's telling. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, you're motivated by being able to drive your own agenda, being able to have an impact on your community and your, your workforce and your, your team. During this particular pandemic, I'll have to say it's tested the limits of my, my management experience. I've been through several economic downturns before. I've seen that and have worked through those challenges uh, very successfully. So that wasn't a new thing for me. But to see a global economic crisis paired with a global public health crisis is certainly something I've never seen before in my, in my business experience. So being put into that situation, feeling not only responsible for the health and safety of your own family and their well-being, but being personally feeling very responsible for the health and safety of all of your employees and their well-being certainly raised the stakes, I think, in terms of what I felt was my responsibility and then also the challenge that I had in front of me. To some extent, the project and the opportunity to service GM and Ventec in, in meeting this global need was a real source of motivation and a source of pride to be able to do something as, as an individual and as a company to make a difference. So it allowed us to sort of pull away from worrying about ourselves, but putting us into the mindset of supporting the emergency. And I think that may be how a lot of the uh, first responders may feel, is you set aside some of your own concerns and worries, and you focus on solving the greater problems ahead of you. You know, another lesson in this story is just how important management is. Management in these entrepreneurship classes that we teach gets a bad rap. You know, it seems like this unnecessary layer of bureaucracy that startups don't have. But being a great manager and a great leader is an incredible skill that's partly given to you in your ability, but it's something you can also learn and focus on. And so if that's something that's interesting to you or you're sort of drawn to that type of work, I hope you'll embrace that and feel confident to push in that direction, even though it might not always be the most celebrated thing that you read about or hear about in entrepreneurship. It was very motivating for our workforce and our team at MacArthur to be part of this project. In our normal daily lives, we go to work, we make labels, tags, decals that go into automotive vehicles. They're very proud of the quality and are very proud to deliver good products. But this really took it to an entirely different level. When our team realized that the work that they were doing every day and the long hours and the weekends were going into these critical life-saving products and saving lives, I think it gave them also a sense of purpose, an opportunity to focus and do something for the greater good during a time where, you know, frankly, many of the world's talent was sitting on the sidelines. I think they're very proud and very motivated and almost helped people get through the initial four to six weeks of the crisis where, you know, many people were very worried and concerned, but sitting idle. So let's finish with some advice from Christy about where to look for opportunity to develop the types of skills that you need early in your career so that when something like this happens, you're ready to spring into action. Well, I think in your early stages of your career, it's important to get enough experience that you can begin to deliver impact, whether that's in a small company where you may have broader scope and the ability to learn lots of different functions and disciplines in a smaller environment, or whether that's in a larger corporation where you may be doing a much more narrow piece of the puzzle, but you'll be learning a lot more about corporate discipline and procedures and process. In terms of, I think, where are there opportunities? I think... There is a need for us to think about, especially in the United States, about our industrial base in the United States and being able to make sure we can produce a lot of the more innovative products that we're developing the IP for 
in the country, being able to manufacture those and have a, a robust ecosystem and supply chain in the United States. So I would be looking about looking for where are there exciting and promising technologies, growing products where the IP and the research is being done here, but we don't have the supply chain here yet. Because my prediction is that those areas will begin to become more important for US-based investments and more companies will be opening up or entrepreneurs can start companies in those areas to really fill a supply gap that's become something that's been an issue for the past 20 years, but became even more visible and present due to coronavirus. And I think another thing to be considering about where to have impact, you know, I think the high-tech technology sector um, has been a very strong draw of some of the best talent in the country for the past 10 years and 15 years. And I feel that that those companies have actually sidelined a lot of their talent during this most recent pandemic. And so thinking about, you know, what's going to be valued by consumers in the future and how can you ensure that you as an individual or the companies that you're working in or the teams that you are leading can be deployed towards the market need. I think we've had a luxury where there's been a lot of talent focused and recruited and working on things that are really at the edges of entertainment, where we've missed a lot of the more basic needs and fundamental needs around health, human services, making products, making things with our hands, making things with our teams and our people in the United States. So I would look into those areas. Christy, thanks again for sharing your story about how organizations can have a bigger impact than individuals. Thank you to Grammatic for our theme music for the season. We've only got eight more episodes coming this season. It's going way too fast. One quick favor before we go, if you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify, give it a rating and maybe a comment. It feels weird to not be getting graded on this assignment. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.